Let me pray. God, I thank you for this online experience. Father, I thank you for your word and how your word moves, how your word convicts, how you use your word in our lives. Father, I thank you that your word is still relevant and continues to be relevant thousands and thousands of years later. I thank you, Father, that you transcend time and that you can speak to us today, here and now. In your name, Jesus. Amen. I've, uh, I've mentioned this, like my phone is, is a distraction for me. Uh, sometimes it's kind of like how I like kind of unwind from the day. Have you been there? Have you been there where you're looking at your phone? You're like, I don't want to be connected to my phone, but you're always on your phone. This is, this has quickly grown into an addiction for me. Something that was kind of like kind of an addiction before, like through pandemic, like this has become a major addiction. To the point where I ha- I've had to set up like a time where my phone gets to like that screen time option where your phone goes off uh, and then certain apps go off or you set time limits for certain apps. You, you know that. It's an Apple feature. If you have Android, <laughs> it's tough luck. And, uh, and so like I've had to do that because I'm, a, I'm addicted to my phone. But here's what I found out. So if, you, if your app goes out and you want to use that app, you can use your, you can use, it can scan your face and you can get back on to extend it. You can just be like, well, it's just 15 more minutes. And, and this hit me where, where I had this instilled into my app. I had this on my phone. I had this thing on my phone where I couldn't use my phone at certain times or after a certain amount of time, but I would keep breaking through it. I would, it's just 15 more minutes. It's just one more minute, but, but I've had a long day. Or, but I did this, and I kind of kept making excuses, and it was like, well, it was really accomplishing nothing. And it got to the point where I was, I was waking up day after day, going to prayer, and having to confess to God, God, I'm sorry for going to my phone before you. God, I am sorry for getting lost in my phone before I get lost in you. And it, it really, truly was a time where I was confessing sin. My addiction to my phone was gripping me. And this past Monday, just a few days ago, it was, it was as if I heard the voice of God saying, okay, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, yeah, it, but, but, but. And I kept making the same excuses I was making when I would get onto my phone. I was making to God himself. And I was like, you're right. And as soon as I got home, 6 a.m. in the morning, uh, I went to Ava. I was like, you know what? I, 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 I went like hardcore on this where now at 8 o'clock, my phone turns off. It doesn't open up until six o'clock. And where if I want to go like certain apps that have certain time limits, Ava now knows the passcode to help me break screen time. And so I can't break it when screen time runs up for me. Why? Because I kept saying, but this, but this, and it led to excuses. Here's the question for us as we start this experience. Where are you saying, but God? Where are you saying but that is in turn making a but out of somebody in the relationship between you and God? Where are we saying but God and making excuses? Are you willing to get sacrificially uncomfortable for the cause of Christ? Christ did not go to the cross so that some of your steps could be in sync with him. He died for you to give you life because he wants all of your steps. Christ didn't die so that you could partially follow after him. Christ doesn't want partially an amount of your life. He doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. He didn't die so that that you could make church just a Sunday hobby. 
He wants all of you. So last week we, we started grilling and chilling series where we looked at how the disciples were kind of taken off mission, how they, how they misinterpreted the mission. And now for you and I, we're going to look at a portion of scripture where the, where the disciples have to look at themselves and, and look at situations coming to Jesus and say, am I willing to get uncomfortable? Am I willing to be all in for the mission? And what does that look like? Where, where, where is Christ good with my excuses? I'll answer that. He never is. And so here's, here's how, it, how our passage now continues. As they were going along the road, Someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the, and birds of the air have nests. But, but, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. This guy made a confident statement. Jesus, I'll follow specifically you, specifically anywhere. Jesus, you're the type of teacher that I could get behind. I could literally, in that day and age, you would follow behind the person. You would travel behind them, and you would say, this is the leader that I am submitting to, that I'm willing to go on a journey of, of total dedication for. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're, you're good with that? Guess what? I'm not like a military-type leader. Military-type leaders, they would have, like generals would have riches. They would have fame. They would go into battle. And they would be renowned. Jesus is like, well, you can follow after and ascribe to be after a military-type leader, learning their skill sets and, and, and becoming like them and being the next great hero. This is like, no, no, no. That's not my type of leadership. That's not where this leads to. I don't have temporal power to offer you. I don't have temporal, uh, uh, temporal riches to lead you towards. The person that you're ascribing after is homeless. The creator of the universe is homeless. You following after me will not lead to earthly comfort. It will lead to a lack of comfort. Why? Because the creator of the universe that is walking this earth dies a homeless man. Me and my wife, we ascribe to uh, kind of some financial thinking uh, from Dave Ramsey. So Dave Ramsey has these eight steps to building financial wealth. Uh, the first step is have like a $1,500 uh, $1, nest egg for emergency and emergency fund. The second one is pay down, your uh, pay down all of your debt minus your house. The third one is uh, build up uh, three to six months of savings in case uh, life hits the fan like a pandemic. And, uh, and then there's a bunch of steps after that. So my wife and I, we're on step number two. And, uh, and so we're paying down between our tithe with our school debt uh, and one car payment uh, between that debt and then we're just uh, paying the debt and then paying kind of what he calls a debt snowball, what we're paying over and above our debt. We pay, uh, we pay about 40% of our income goes towards tithing and areas of debt and uh, to, to pay it down. And so we're, we're, we're doing that by, by next uh, May or June, we should be debt-free minus the house. Awesome thing. Great thing. So we have a large portion of our budget that goes towards these things. And I, all summer long, I've been like, I need a release. We should get jet skis. And I was like, okay, if I get two jet skis, that might be three to a three to $500 a month payment. Oh, okay, that's like, okay, that's a little rough. That's tough. But like, I could really use some jet skis. So I'm, I'm talking to Ava and trying to sell her on jet skis. Let's just, let's just, let's just buy some jet skis. And, and, and it's like, in my head, I'm like, well, we don't have the money because we're doing these other things. But Ava, I could invite my prey for one. We could go out on the water and I could share with them Jesus. 
But but Ava, like what? Like it could be a bonding experience between me and Landon and others. But Ava, like it could. You and I could go on a nice date and take and take the jet skis over to the water's edge or something like. And and uh, but Jason, we have these goals, and she saw right through all of my lame excuses, and knew that Jason, if we say yes to this, we have to say no to this, and that's. That's the nature of finances, right? Like, we all have that but. Like, we, we say, we can, we can afford, uh, we can afford to, to buy a whole bunch of Amazon, but I can't afford to do this. I can, I can afford the nicer car, but it means I can't do this. I can do all of this for my kids and their education or their sports, but I can't do this. Whether or not it's the church or the not, every, every element of our finances comes with a but. I know plenty of people that say they can't contribute to the mission of God, but they can do boom, 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 boom. And so as we look at it, a homeless savior, let's think about this for a second. Are we content being more generous in the world around us? Or should we be as generous as our homeless savior has asked us to be? Our king who died homeless, if you were to look at my finances, your finances, our finances, would he feel honored? Would he feel loved? Would he feel, would he feel valued? Does he look at our finances and say, well, there is a committed believer. I want my friends and family to look at me and say, there was or there is a generous person. And I want people that don't know Jesus, but would find out what I give to the mission of God and say, no sane person would do that. Why? Because I want to give Jesus. I want him to have top priority. So where this might be a struggle for you and I, where this might be a struggle for many of us that watch this, here's what I want to suggest in light of a homeless Savior asking for our, our complete dedication. Would you go on push pay and set up an auto pay? That every month you would set up a gift. Every, every week you would set up a gift. Why? Because this is a struggle for all of us. And no more, but, but I can do this, but I can't do this. Let's make, what would it look like to make Jesus financially a priority in light of a homeless savior. Here's here's the next area that that he goes to. To another he said, now he's speaking, follow me. But do you catch what happens? But he said, there's the big old but, 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 the Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Follow me. Yeah, I'll follow you, but let, let, me, let me go first and bury my dad. Like, that seems reasonable. That seems natural. But here's what a lot of the commentaries drew out, was that that was likely so this person could go bury their father and then collect the inheritance. I'm going to go graveside, and then I'm going to get the money that's been coming to me. What Jesus is pointing out is that one's commitment to the kingdom to the kingdom of God is going to take priority over all family considerations. That Jesus, the family of God, must be top of the priority list. Jesus is calling for undivided devotion. He's, he's saying, don't concern yourself with dead things, even reasonably dead things that would take the place of the mission. Don't concern yourself with things. Let the kingdom of God be your primary concern. Back in the day, I was a youth pastor. And I was working at Bayside Chapel. 
While I was a youth pastor, I dealt with a lot of drama. Boys and girls like to date each other, and they bring a lot of drama when they start dating. And I would be uh, Dr. Phil all the time for all the marriage, all the, all the, like, and it was like, my boyfriend is doing this. And I was like, oh, cool, like, it's your fourth boyfriend this month. Like, oh, that, this is, oh, and I would, oh, it was so sad, it was awful. It was awful. And I, all that drama. But then all of a sudden, I was like, my, my, my pastor was like, hey, why don't you go plan a church? And I'm like, long story short, okay, let's go plan a church. June 1st, 2016 was my last day at the youth pastor. It was my first day as pastor of Wellspring Church where that had my undivided attention. I went from youth pastor one day, and the very next day, that was Brian Prizer's job as youth director of, Wells, uh, of Bayside Chapel. So there, on day one of my job as undivided attention to Wellspring Church, guess what? When a girl or a boy came to me like, oh, my mom, my mom, my mom, my fourth boyfriend this month, blah, 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 blah. Guess what? I didn't have to be concerned about it. Well, yeah, you should go talk to Brian. And on the flip side, Wellspring Church wanted and needed my undivided attention. I couldn't share my concern. My concern for two ministries one had to go away, and one had to have my undivided attention. Wellspring needed my complete attention. So when drama was coming from the youth ministry, I had to say, that is no longer my concern, and I can't let it be my concern. I can't get uh, put into that. So what deep concerns do you have in life right now? What concerns do you have in life that might be taking you off mission? When you think about pray for one or handing out some of these God loves you and so do we type cards. When you think about, when you think about loving the people around you, when you think about the mission of the church, when you think about just church in general, what do you have that concerns you that might be taking you off mission? Here's my question. The things that are dominating your thinking, the things that you are all concerned about, what can you take with you to heaven? You're concerned about the car. You're concerned about the job. You're concerned about this. You're concerned. You're concerned. What there can you take to heaven with you? Let me, let me put it maybe slightly a different way. You're concerned about what, maybe what people will think, how they might react to you. Well, I can't stop sleeping with my boyfriend. He'll stop loving me. Are you more concerned about your boyfriend or Jesus? But Jason, I can't, I can't move out. I can't, I can't move out of her house. She might get really mad at me. Are you more concerned about her or God? Jason, I, I can't stop paying all of my kids' bills. They'll stop coming around my house. I know I need to be, be financially supporting the church and whatnot, the mission of God, but I, I can't open up any money in my budget because I'm paying all of my kids' bills, and if I don't do it, they won't come to my house anymore, and... Are you more concerned about God or your kids? Here's just a fact. You can't be concerned about all things. It's literally impossible. If you're concerned about everything, you're really not concerned about anything. You and I pick and choose what we're going to concern ourselves with. And at the top of the list, shouldn't it always be God? So here's my suggestion in this section. What if you were to make a list right now of your top concerns in life, let's say for right now, non-Jesus, things that, that aren't, aren't directly Jesus, what would be your top concerns? For me, it might be fitness, it might be my finances, it might be my family, it might be my church ministry. There's a handful of things that would be on my list of top concerns. Now here's the next thing I want to do in this suggestion. Now go back through and look at them with this funnel. 
If Jesus is my top concern, how does that inform my family? How does that inform my job? How does that inform my relationships? How does that inform my finances? How does that inform my fitness? See, if God is our top concern, we can be concerned with other things, but those other things funnel through our concern for God. And so make that list and give time to that thought. Here's here's what the the third person, the third section here, it says, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, but... Let me first say farewell to those at my home. Let me go and say bye-bye. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus, let me simply go back and let me say goodbye to my homies. Let me go say goodbye to some people that are really important with me. Jesus, let me go have one last ride with my ride or die. And Jesus is saying, no. The Christian life, the road of a a disciple, the road of a follower of Christ is going to be rocky. It's going to be, it's going to be rough. And like any road that is rough, if you look back at what used to be, you will be taken off the road that is before you. You will stumble, you will fall, you will trip, you will go the wrong direction. The best way to handle a rough, rocky road is to stay focused on the road ahead and never look back. Jesus here is referring to something that Jewish people would be very familiar with, a plow and whatnot. He's referring to Elisha and Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in Israel. He was a powerful prophet in Israel. And he comes to talk to Elisha and in his own way back in the day, he says, you're going to be taking over my prophetic ministry. Elisha, you're next. And what does Elisha do? He had, he had a, a lot of crops and he had a lot of cattle, which, which was a very profitable thing back in the day. And that day, he slaughtered, slaughtered all of his cattle, had a big feast for the whole, for the people, uh, his community, he gave them all the meat. They had a big old party and a celebration. And then he burned his plows. What he communicates to Elijah through action is he says, I'm all in. I have nothing to fall back on. You have my complete devotion. I'm, I, uh, there is no safety blanket for me. I don't need a safety blanket because this is going to be all I need. This has my undivided attention. I'm going to follow it with reckless abandonment. That's what Jesus is referring to here. Don't look back. Look ahead. For you and I, it's don't be, don't be focused on what we've lost for the cause of Christ. Be focused on whom we have gained. I've been struggling. I've been open about this. I've been struggling about my, I've been struggling with my weight. Quarantine's been good to me, but good in the wrong ways. And, uh, and so like when you're fighting with weight loss, w- losing weight is actually gaining because that's a good thing in, in this, uh, I guess, illustration and whatnot. So I've been trying a whole bunch of things. I've been trying, trying, trying and failing, failing, failing. And so I, I was like, okay, let's try keto. And, uh, and so like I'm persistent at this and I, I've been, keto's been working for me. I lost six pounds. And then I said, well, I deserve a weekend. But, but I need a cheat day. But, but I need to reboost my metabolism. I kind of made all these excuses and I went all grilling and chilling for a weekend and I gained, I lost six pounds and then when I woke up on Monday, I had this, actually this past Monday, uh, I had gained three pounds back. So 50% gained back in one 
weekend. And when I wake up today, I've been fighting hard all week long to get back simply to where I was. I have made no progress from where I originally was. I'm still a pound over. Now I've netted two pounds, if you will. I made excuses and I was like, I I did that old thing. You and I have done it, right? Like, I need to go on a diet. Well, it will start Monday or it will start tomorrow. We acknowledge something in our lives that needs to change and we kind of, in essence, say one last hurrah. Perhaps Satan wants us to have this one last hurrah type thinking because one last hurrah has a way of keeping you in a life of hurrahs. What if commitment starts now? What if cold turkey is exactly what God is calling you to right now? Where, where do you need to burn the plows? Where do you need to live with reckless abandonment for the gospel? What are you hanging on to that must be abandoned? Drinking? It's only from time to time. I only slip up from time to time. You know what, Jason? It's just cigarettes aren't really sinful, perhaps. I can maybe argue around that, but it's also not helping you pay the bills. Is it, might it be gossip? Jason, I don't, I don't gossip to everyone about everyone. Jason, I only gossip to someone about everyone. I don't really need to give that up cold turkey. Jason, I know, uh, Jesus, I, 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 know, I know you're calling me to missions. I know you're calling me to be on mission. I know you're calling me to be a part of this church. I know you're calling me to, to, to pursue your mission. I know you're calling me to pray for one. I know you're calling me to love others. But you know what? First, let me get my family on board. I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but God's not calling you to later. God's calling you to the here and the now. So my suggestion here is make your last one truly the last one. Perhaps going cold turkey with no excuses is exactly what you need to determine right now. Because any one of us can rationalize waiting. And we can rationalize waiting. And we can rationalize waiting. And we'll die a person that lived a life in waiting. And so my, my, big, my big thought, what I think this, this section is driving, there was a but in every section that we talked about. Here's a big thought for this online experience. Following Jesus will cost you your butt. Following Jesus will cost you your butt. You want to know something Jesus never said? I like big butts and I cannot lie. He does not like the big butts you put on the mission of God. I'll do this, but. No. So many of us, we're we're failing to commit to the cause of Christ. Why? Because we're more concerned about the cause of comfort. We We don't want to follow after Jesus. Giving is going to get uncomfortable. Serving is going to get uncomfortable. What people say to us is going to get uncomfortable. We sacrifice the mission of God for the mission of my comfort. Many of us are saying, hey, I'm comfortable with enough. Jason, I am different than I used to be. And I'm looking at my life. I have made some changes and now I am comfortable with my level of sacrifice. That goes directly against our value as a church of endless growth. That we're going to wake up every single day and say, Christ can have a greater impact on me. What, the, what this value communicates to me is that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to say, God, where do I need to sacrifice more for you? God, where do I need to follow after you more? Being comfortable with my level of sacrifice doesn't take this value into consideration. Are we more concerned about our comfort and our security than we are 
obeying the great commission that says, go, go out into all the world. That hasn't changed because of pandemic. Go out into all the world, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, baptizing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and and lo, I will be with you always. My comfort and my security is not in the things of this world. It is in the God that says, I am with you always. Christ has not died so that the goal would be gain the world. It's hard to follow after Jesus when we're trying to gain the world. But, but being slightly more generous, being slightly more caring, being slightly more giving, being slightly nicer than, than, than the culture has never been the goal. The culture doesn't set the standards for the, for the Christian life. You know who sets the standard for the Christian life? Jesus. Jesus is the standard. So if you're looking out to the world and saying, I'm a little bit better than the world, cool, but Jesus is the standard. So where have you said, but God? Where do you need to change? What, what needs to change? Is it God, God's mind needs to change or your mind needs to change? Is it his will that needs to change or is it your will that needs to change? You've been com- confronted with some truth through this, through this sermon, through this, this online experience. Now what will you do? I was confronted uh, maybe at this point, maybe eight years ago, that, that my casual drinking was something that should no longer take place. My casual drinking was hurting people, and I had, that, I had that hurrah where I was like, this is bad. And I had that choice to make. Do I want one last hurrah, which would communicate one more time of being okay hurting people, or my last hurrah should be honestly my last hurrah? And God said, Jason, like, your casual drinking at times is going too far, and it's you're not running after me as hard as you really could be. This is preventing you. This is hindering you. And so in that moment, I had to choose, this is it. I am done. I have lost my privilege of casually drinking and honoring God because I've proven I can't do that. And so it was my last hurrah in cold turkey. I've not touched it since. So my question is, what do you need to do? I've made three suggestions in this sermon whether it might be with your giving, whether it might be with making a list about priorities, whether it might be identifying something that you need to cold, cold turkey and to stop, what will you do? If Jesus says do it, we hop to it. If, if, if the best way to show others that Jesus matters is to live a life as if he matters. So does Jesus matter to you? My challenge to you and I today for this experience is to just do it. God has identified something in your life. It's not me speaking to you. Right now, what is impressed upon you, that it might be making you uncomfortable, it's not really me. It's the Holy Spirit working. So my challenge is just do it now. Like commit to it now. Because our love and our obedience to Christ Jesus, when we show that Christ is of worth in our personal lives, guess what we communicate to an unbelieving world? that my Jesus is of worth. So our love and our obedience prove that he is of worth to my unbelieving friends around me. Let's live like that. That is part of the mission. So with that, let me pray. God, I thank you for this online experience. Father, I thank you for this scripture, which is challenging to preach. Father, I thank you for a commitment to preaching all of your word. 
Lord, I thank you, Father, for right now knowing that behind this camera, knowing that on the other side of the screen are men and women that truly do love you. Father, I know that there are men and women that are watching this that, are, that know deep inside of them they don't want to make you a hobby. That deep inside of them, they want to be on mission. They want to live as if you have worth and you are of worth. I know that they love you, Father. And so, Father, you, through your word, have shown some areas in their lives where love, obedience might be lacking. It might be preventing them from the mission. So, Father, in your grace, would you give us strength to follow after you? And Father, as we turn, as we follow after you, would our friends, would our pray for ones, Father, would they see in us a Jesus that is of worth, a Jesus that is worth everything? Would our lives communicate the gospel? You are worth it. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Toms River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.